Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Trashy Divorces, everyone's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. My name is Stacy. Hey, friends, I'm Alicia. Thanks for joining us today for the continuing tale of marital misadventure for the sassy mm-hmm. and spicy mm-hmm. Shirley Jones. This week, she is going to tell Jack Cassidy to hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back. No more, no more. We are picking up here with part two, continuing from... The last episode, so be sure to tune in to that one for the happier bits of this tale. Is that a is that sort of a content warning? <laughs> this one's bleaker, people. This one's a little bleaker, friends. Before we begin today's episode, we do have this magic mirror with a lot of names. Who gets some trashy love this week, Stacey? Sure, big thanks to, uh, first of all, everyone who joined us for our live moment the other night. It was a lot of fun. It was great to hang out with everybody Thank you so much. We had a great time. Holy cats. Truly amazing. Thanks mm-hmm. to everybody who came out. That was an enormous amount of fun. Absolutely. And thank you to our newest Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. Laura R. Eileen S. Lisa T. Amanda M. Julie B. Kathy N. I got a few here. Okay. Stacy K. Katie E. Paula W. Kate L. Mary H. Allison G. Charity H. Holy cats. We are thank so you. grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to our new Patreon supporters. Thanks to our existing Patreon supporters. We hope you are digging all those extra goodies. There will be another juicy spider eggs bonus for all Patreon folks at the end of this episode. So friends, stay tuned for that one. Thanks for coming to listen today. Stacy. I think it's about time for us to hit the road. Jack. <laughs> I guess we should go, go, go. All right, Alicia, so this is the bleak half of Shirley Jones? A little Jones. bit bleaker. Okay. We left Shirley Jones last time with the beginning of the end of the marriage when she won her Academy Award. Right, right. So we're just going to dip right on back in here after Shirley wins that Academy Award. The dynamics have flipped and she has now eclipsed her somewhat layabout husband. Well, what do you think Jack's going to struggle with? Not being the star Mm. in the relationship. And Shirley's not happy about the dynamic either. She's pretty old-fashioned herself. And, I mean, he calls her a mouse. Like, she's used to Jack being the star in the family and wants him to feel like the man of the house. Remember, remember her mom, Marjorie and Paul and how their dynamic was. Sure. Now, Shirley on the heels of an Academy Award really increases your popularity, right? Mm -hmm. You would think Shirley would respond to Jackson's security and jealousy by trying to resolve the imbalance in the relationship, but Shirley does not do that. She downplays herself Mm. even more than she already had before. Wow. I don't know how you can get mousier than mouse. Yeah, yeah. Shrink further. 
Shrink more, get smaller. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we see folks do that. Sure. And Shirley will always let Jack make the decisions and be the one talking in social situations. She will persistently turn a blind eye to his rampant cheating, thinking the infidelity. <laughs> this is what Shirley thinks. Well, if he cheats, it'll make him feel better about himself. Oh, wow. Well, that's a very modern take. Shirley Jones writes, I believed I was in part to blame for his infidelity by being more successful than he was. Just wow. There's some really interesting psychological dynamics Mm -hmm. at play here. Yeah. So not only does Shirley know that Jack is, whoa, cheating on her, Shirley also has the added benefit of frequently having other people just come and tell her about Jack's infidelities. So that's fun. Yeah, that's not great. Shirley never reacts. She never confronts him. She never asks any questions. God, what is that like if somebody, like, your girlfriend drops by and it's just like, you know, I saw Jack out at the restaurant with, he was clearly... Having a romantic dinner with, right? Like how? mm. Of course, Shirley rationalized Mm -hmm. and made excuses for why Jack's cheating just wasn't such a big deal. And again, she has her career to distract her. But ultimately, Shirley feels that his cheating doesn't change how he, Jack, feels about her. She claims to have never felt insecure in their relationship, despite knowing He was never faithful to her because Jack treated her like she, according to Shirley, meant the world to him. He changed his approach to his infidelities after some years of being married. Shirley said it felt like he almost wanted her approval. It gets weirder. He tells her one day, You do understand, Mouse, that when I'm out on the road for a long time, There is going to be a woman in my life. It won't mean anything, but I'm very sexual. And my infidelities won't take anything away from you in any shape or form. You're always going to be the love of my life, always. I think I actually appreciate that she is explaining kind of how these conversations go. Because I I do, it's something I do wonder about, like how do people... He's apparently not trying to necessarily hide his extracurriculars but he's also, he's not wanting it to end the marriage. Like, he's not trying sure. to escape. Well, Shirley's response to all of this, hey, mouse, you're going to be the love of my life, even though I'm, I'm a horn dog. going to do whatever I want. Yeah. Shirley's response is simply, that doesn't make me happy. Mm. Jack replies, I know, mouse, but I want you to know that it doesn't mean a thing. That's just how I am. <laughs> and with that, Shirley made a conscious decision to ignore his infidelities, and put them out of her mind. She will still hear about all of his affairs all over town, but Shirley lives with it. She'll say, I never caught him with another woman. I never doubted his love for me. I never asked myself why I wasn't enough for him. I was his wife, and that was enough for me. Besides, he was the father of my children, and he always came home to me in the end, so I was happy. I mean... No, again, I appreciate her kind of outlining how this goes in reality. Because this is certainly not unique. No, not at all. Yeah. All right. Wow. 
Everybody take a breath. Goodness. Because, wow, wow, wow. What happens to Mouse next? Well, although Jack's infidelities were a major downside of their marriage, there were also some other issues. Jack's parenting, or lack thereof, Mm. was also a little troubling to Shirley. Jack never tries to disguise the fact that he's far more interested in his career than he was in their sons. Shirley was always really concerned about Jack Cassidy's parenting skills, even before they had children together. Well, and he he had kids from his previous marriage, right? Correct. Shirley was often upset by how Jack parented his son, David. Right. And more often, how he chose not to parent David at all. Shirley saw how much David worshipped his father and longed for his attention and approval. And sadly, David Cassidy rarely ever got either his father's attention or approval. And despite David not wanting to like Shirley at first, because, right, stepmom, I blame her for my parents' divorce, Shirley and David actually grew to have a strong and caring relationship, Shirley says, I always considered David to be my son as well. Well, I'm sure they bonded over Jack's terribleness. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like all the ways Jack failed them. I don't mean to laugh. That's very, very sad. The first time Shirley got pregnant, Jack and their manager convinced Shirley to get an abortion, even though it was not what she wanted. Her career was on the upswing, and both of them, Jack and the manager, said that her career would be over if she had a baby right then. She desperately, Shirley does, wants to be a mother, but reluctantly agrees to the abortion and immediately regrets it. When it was over, she promised herself that she would never have another abortion, no matter what Jack or anyone else wanted. Good for her. Shirley wastes little time in getting pregnant again. Their first son together, Sean Cassidy, was born September the 27th, 1958, and... Shirley's thrilled. Their second son, Patrick, was born on January 4th, 1962. David Cassidy gets along great with his new brothers and the younger boys. Sean and Patrick idolize their older brother, David. A third son, Ryan, was born February 23rd, 1966. So inside of eight years, three boys in addition to David. Shirley Jones has a lot going on. And at first... It seems like Jack might have improved his parenting skills over time because he was far more affectionate and interested in Sean and Patrick than he had been with David. Jeez. However, as time goes on, Shirley realizes that Jack, in fact, is Jack and just the same. The boys were never his priority, and Jack is often annoyed by their presence and the inconvenience that children present. Shirley always had to be the primary parent. She cannot rely on Jack to do much. Like, he doesn't even attend the boys' events or activities. Great. In 1968, David moves in with Shirley and Jack and the boys full-time, and Shirley's concerned that David would be jealous or left out But the age difference between him and the younger boys helped to keep these feelings from happening. And all four boys at this point get along great. They all continue to have a very strong relationship 
for years. David Cassidy was 18 by this time, and women had long been a regular part of his life. He had a sex drive and appetite like his father's. Yeah, like father, like son. And when David wanted to entertain women, he would escape to the pool house with them, which kept it away from the younger boys, hmm. which is great. Right. But Jack Cassidy, David's father, begins to show some jealousy and resentment. Oh, my God. About his son's frequent sexual exploits. Because your teenage son can score Is with teenage it. girls. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's that's age appropriate, friend. Don't don't get in the way of that. Ugh. So once he, Jack, angrily complained to Shirley that all David cared about was girls. <laughs> wow. Shirley laughed and said, well, Jack, he's your son and that's all you care about. Mm-hmm. Another thing, oh gosh, another thing that Jack was jealous about when it came to David was, I can't make it up, the size of his penis. Shirley Jones writes openly about Jack Cassidy's generous endowment, which was apparently quite a point of pride for Jack. Unfortunately for Jack, David had been blessed with an even more generous endowment. So much so that, according to Shirley, his younger brothers called him Donk, oh my God. which is short for donkey. Mm-hmm. 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 Jack would joke with his son, David, about donkey, donk, mm-hmm. uh, saying, where did you get that? You're bigger than me. Oh, my God. Although these comments were made under the guise of joking, Shirley felt that it contributed to the tumultuous relationship between Jack and David. Okay, that's a super weird thing to uh, cause conflict. Okay. I mean, just the fact that this was an issue at all for yeah. Jack Cassidy probably says a lot uh-huh. about his character and uh-huh. priorities. Gonna agree with that. This is probably a fantastic time to take a quick break. We're gonna come back with some dalliances and a few other nefarious stories. We'll see you on the flip. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay. Oh, I'm scared. That's okay. We're going to talk about Shirley's somewhat innocent dalliance now. Okay. Okay, 1961. Shirley is in the John Ford Western Two Road Together, starring with Jimmy Stewart and Richard Widmark. John Ford is awful, downright terrible to Shirley Jones, but that doesn't surprise her because John Ford's feelings towards women were widely known in and throughout Hollywood. Her two co-stars, Stuart and Widmark, are both wonderful to Shirley, but in different ways. 
Jimmy Stewart was a good friend to Shirley. He helps her on the set a great deal. Shirley Jones describes Jimmy Stewart as being as endearingly funny and charming off-screen as he was on, which Jimmy Stewart, who, show me who doesn't love Jimmy Stewart, and I'll show you a soulless human. I mean, that's, I feel like every woman that we've quoted on the show talking about Jimmy Stewart says just just wonderful, like, every woman he worked with in Hollywood just thought he was... Jimmy Stewart. The bee's knees. Richard Widmark a little different, a little bit different of a relationship, because Richard Widmark and Shirley begin having a romance. Hmm. Richard has a car on the set, and (laughs) when they each have the time to do so, Shirley and Richard would go on long country drives to get away from shooting, and the two understood each other well and were both down-to-earth, kind of non-Hollywood types. And so they go on these drives to appreciate nature. It reminds Shirley of the weekly drives to Pittsburgh that she would have taken with her dad to go to her weekly singing lessons, right? From the tiny town to the big city traveling through the country. Yep. On one of these drives, Richard stopped the car and started to kiss and hug Shirley. Shirley does not stop him. He looks at her and says, Don't worry, we're both married, and I'm not going to take advantage of you. You're 20 years younger than I am. You've got children, and I really care about you, but under different circumstances. So nobody's busting anything up. They're just Mm -hmm. looking for love on a country drive. Their romantic drives continue, and so does the kissing and fondling. Shirley Jones claims it never goes beyond that, but admits that it was a nice and enjoyable time for her to get a little side affection and her affection for Richard Widmark has remained. It was hmm. a nice little okay. dalliance Sure. A little attention that maybe, maybe old Jack was not providing in adequate measure. This is a little story I like to call Glenn Ford gets in bed with Shirley and berates Jack Cassidy. Hmm. All right. 1962 next year. Shirley makes the courtship of Eddie's father with Glenn Ford and a very young Ron Howard, Hmm. who is probably still Ronnie Howard at that point. Glenn Ford, as we all know, is a major Hollywood player and box office draw. Glenn Ford was also known as a ladies' man, having affairs with the likes of Joan Crawford, Debbie Reynolds, and Rita Hayworth. On set, Glenn Ford makes it very clear to Shirley that he is available to her if she is interested in having sex with him. I'm ready for an affair, Shirley. Right here. Just come mm-hmm. come and get it. Shirley was not interested in doing that. Shirley finds out later that his attraction to her came from a psychic prediction that Glenn Ford had received from a well-known professional psychic, Peter Herkos, who... Spiderweb would later be involved in the Boston Strangler case and the Manson murders. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Peter Herkos uh, would become later popular for his live psychic television shows. Apparently, Peter Herkos had told Glenn Ford that he and Shirley would be getting married. The movie shoot (laughs) lasted over New Year's Eve and Glenn Ford invited Shirley and Jack to his big New Year's Eve party. The party was at his home, which is super close to the Pink Palace, the Beverly Hills Hotel. 
and everyone had a lot of fun at the party. But a few minutes after midnight, Jack came over to Shirley and asked if she would mind if he visited a friend who lived around the corner for just a quick drink. Shirley knew what Jack was looking to do, but in keeping with her mouse agreement not to confront him, Shirley tells Jack, it's fine for you to go and visit your friend Mm -hmm. as long as it does not take too long. Sure, go play with your friends. Just briefly, though. Leave the party Uh to go play with your friends. Solo. Sure, that's fine. Well, two hours later. Oh, wow, yeah. Right? It's midnight. Jack wants to... It's a long drink. (laughs) Real long drink. By 2 a.m., Jack is not back yet, and Shirley is exhausted. She wants to go home, Mm -hmm. and... This is the 60s. There are no cell phones. Shirley doesn't know how to find Jack or whatever place he went to to have that drink with his good friend. So tired and frustrated, Shirley goes upstairs and lies down like in the first bedroom she finds. She's still wearing her ball gown. A few hours later, Shirley Jones wakes up and finds Glenn Ford sleeping next to her. And she jumps up and says, I'm sorry. Something terrible must have happened to Jack. Right then, the telephone rings, and Shirley could tell that Glenn Ford was talking to Jack Cassidy. Mm. She could not hear Jack's side of the conversation, but thought that Jack was probably apologizing and making excuses. But what Shirley Jones does hear is Glenn Ford scolding Jack, saying, You better get straight over here, otherwise you won't have a wife anymore. Wow. (laughs) A little while later, Jack Cassidy arrives and Glenn Ford meets him at the door and yells at Jack Cassidy. How could you do this to your wife? Now, Jack had quick excuses at the ready, none of which were particularly believable. And in a rare exception to her normal reaction, Shirley was furious with Jack. She started screaming at him about treating her so badly And after profusely apologizing, Jack suddenly seemed to notice that Glenn Ford was only wearing his underwear and that Shirley's ball gown was crushed and wrinkled. It is obvious that the two had been in bed. Shirley says even though Glenn Ford had gotten in bed with her that night, she is completely sure that he had not tried anything sexual with her Also, who is Jack to raise any objection? (laughs) Well, Shirley tells Jack. Where were you, Jack? You're not wrong. Jack hit the road. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Shirley tells Jack nothing happened. And she wasn't sure if he believed her or not. But honestly, Shirley's so angry with him that she doesn't really care how he feels or what he believes. If Jack's jealous... Shirley said he never showed it, but for the rest of his life, Jack Cassidy referred to Glenn Ford as the necrophiliac. (laughs) Good Lord. Oh, I love old Hollywood. All right. Uh. By the mid-1960s, Hollywood had given up on making big musicals. Shirley, though, still longed to perform, but wasn't getting offers for roles that she was interested in. So Shirley decided to sign on to do her own cabaret show at the Flamingo Hotel in Las Vegas. Her sons went with her to Las Vegas along with their nanny. And Jack, at the time, was starring on Broadway with Carol Burnett 
in Fade Out, Fade In. So Jack did not accompany Shirley or the boys. During the rehearsals leading up to her show opening, Shirley noticed that there was a bald older man sitting in the front row watching her intently. This happens a lot. Mm. On the last day of rehearsals, the manager of the Flamingo Hotel says, Shirley, that gentleman who always sits in the front row watching your rehearsal is madly smitten with you. He is a very special guest of the Flamingo and owns five oil wells. So I'd appreciate it after your opening night if you'd go and have a drink with him and then go gambling with him. So remember, back in those days, the mafia Mm -hmm. still had major influence in Las Vegas and Shirley Jones knows that socializing with wealthy and powerful gamblers after the show is something that's just in the contract for yeah. entertainers. Yeah, just you're, understood. Yeah. You're expected to do that. So Shirley agrees. She complies, agrees to gamble with her admirer after the show. So they go out and they're talking and he, mystery oil man, tells Shirley all about the oil wells that he owns and Shirley Jones tells him about her children and Jack. Oddly enough, Oil Man is not interested in hearing about her husband. (laughs) In the course of the night, Shirley mentions that her favorite color is green. While gambling, he will hand her a wad of cash and insist that she play with it. And sure enough, the next night, Oil Man is back in the front row for her show again. After this show, a messenger runs on stage and gives her numerous gifts, all in different shades of green. This is just the beginning of him trying to shower Shirley with gifts. You want to know who that admirer is? I really was hoping you were going to tell me. Tiger Mike Davis, the owner of Tiger Oil. Okay. Da-da-da, spiderwebs. Rar. Realizing just how rich... Tiger Mike Davis Mm -hmm. was, and how much of a high roller status he held in Vegas, Shirley knows better than to refuse to gamble with him each night after her show. Each night after gambling, Shirley would return to her suite and find extravagant gifts laid out on the bed. Few of these gifts include, just for fun, let's talk about it, a mink coat, a diamond bracelet, numerous rings, and emerald earrings. Shirley attempts to refuse these gifts, but Mike Davis is not allowing them to be returned. Sure. And as uncomfortable as Shirley Jones is with all this attention, she appreciates that Mike Davis never makes a pass at her. He never acts inappropriately. Interesting. So at the end of her show, her cabaret show runs six weeks, Jack Cassidy comes into town to see the last show. Oh, hi, Jack. Welcome. Glad you got here. All right, after the show, Shirley, Jack, and several friends are having drinks in the hotel lounge. Mike Davis is gambling as usual, but watching Shirley and Jack from across the room. Finally, the floor manager comes over, right, and tells Shirley that Mr. Davis wanted her to come gamble with him. And Shirley decided this night, last show, Mm -hmm. come on, I got to put my foot down. Right, right. I'm with my husband. I've been fun, but... I'm not going to be gambling with Mr. Davis tonight. Thank you for the invitation, but I'm hanging out with my husband right now. So the floor manager goes back to Mike Davis to deliver this message. Sorry, Mike, not tonight. Mike Davis stands up 
and rips up a $100 bill into pieces Wow! and starts towards the exit. But as he's walking to the exit, he keeps just taking out $100 bills and ripping them up along the way. And as he rips up the bills, he's throwing the pieces of the bills on the casino floor. Mm-hmm. And security is nervous well, yeah. that there's about to be a riot. A scrum to... And tries to stop Mike Davis from this. And Mike Davis yells, I can do what I want. Meanwhile, Love it. crowds of people are diving to pick up the pieces to try to stick the yeah, bills back together of again. Of course. Okay. Scotch tape, man. It's a thing. A few days later, Mike Davis contacts Shirley Jones and says, Listen, if you agree to see me again, I'll give you an oil well. <laughs> Climate change be damned. And this is how Shirley Jones became an oil tycoon, huh? She does not take him up. She refuses the oil well. Now, if he had just offered a pony. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. A green pony. A green pony. There you go. After a brief silence, after refusing, right? Shirley's like, nah, man, I, I can't take an oil well. Got kids. There's a brief silence. And Mike Davis asked her, do you know your husband is fucking every woman in Manhattan? Then Mike Davis begins giving Shirley Jones details about Jack's affairs. Shirley tells Mike Davis she doesn't want to hear any of it. Yeah, that's up. unwelcome. Like, I, I know this is happening. He's been very open with me that this is happening. And like, I've... Shirley's done. Mm-hmm. Goodbye, Mike Davis. Yeah. Shirley will tell her husband, Jack Cassidy, what had happened. And Jack laughs and says, take the oil well, mouse. And if he really wants to see you, I'll come with you. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of Jack Cassidy here. No, 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 no. So Shirley will never see Mike Davis again. But after Jack Cassidy dies, Mike Davis calls Shirley Jones and offers to pay for all of the funeral expenses and to fly anyone Shirley Jones needed to out to Los Angeles for the funeral. That's very generous. Spiderweb. Fun, fun spider web here. Soon after this, former girlfriend of Sam Giancana, my favorite, Phyllis McGuire, the youngest of the McGuire sisters, becomes Mike Davis's long-term girlfriend and companion. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I love the spider webs. They're so much fun. You ready for another one? Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. In the winter of 1966, Shirley signs on to do a tour of The Sound of Music. She will again take all the boys with her. Jack was starring again on Broadway, so he stays in Manhattan. As usual, Shirley gets all kinds of reports about Jack's infidelities, but this time it was a little bit different. Shirley was being told by several sources that this was not... At this period, Jack's usual casual sex flings, but he was actually in a love affair with another woman who was doing everything she possibly could to get Jack to divorce Shirley and marry her. Careful what you wish for, other woman. Right. Shirley Jones feels at this time that things are different. Where we've been floating in this, you do you, Jack, for a long time, This, this is different. Jack is pulling away from Shirley emotionally, which had not happened before. 
Shirley also has the distinct feeling that Jack was disappointed that Shirley had not had an affair with Mike Davis. Interesting. Do you think maybe this was sort of... Well, if you do it, then I'm not so... Right, sort of mm-hmm. guilt asserting itself maybe. after all these years of... of Perhaps. Kind of not being a great hubby. Okay. So by the time the Sound of Music tour begins in January 1967... Shirley knows that her marriage is in a new phase, but she intends to stay married to Jack Cassidy no matter what. Shirley's co-star in the musical was Stephen Elliott, who was older and charming and kind. And one night, Stephen Elliott was having a party in his hotel room, and after all the other guests had left, he began kissing Shirley. Shirley writes, Despite myself, despite my marriage, despite my love for my husband, I had to admit that Steve's kisses felt more than good. When he led me to the bed, things went further. I acquiesced. For the first time in my marriage, I was unfaithful to Jack, and I didn't feel guilty at all. Hmm. Shirley continued her affair with Stephen Elliott and was amazed at how much more interested in her Stephen was than Jack. Stephen wanted to know all about her and enjoyed learning about her interests and her feelings. And Shirley explains that within a few days, Stephen Elliott knew her better than Jack ever had. Wow. Eventually, Jack comes to visit Shirley and the boys on the road, and they all have dinner together with Stephen Elliott, and everyone enjoyed themselves. And after they had been back to their hotel room for a while, Jack turned to Shirley and asked her, So how's your affair with Stephen going? Jack wants to know every detail of Shirley's sex life Mm -hmm. with Stephen Elliott and was clearly turned on by the thought of her having an affair with another man. Shirley denied it to Jack and felt that it was between her and Stephen and she didn't owe Jack any information considering how he had been treating her over the years. Shirley's affair with Stephen ended when the show ended with him saying, You are still very much in love with your husband, and that's obvious. Shirley admitted that Stephen Elliott was right, and the two part on good terms. When we come back, we're going to come on and get happy and talk about the Partridge family. Excellent. We'll see you back in a minute. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, so before Shirley Jones was offered the part of Shirley Partridge on the Partridge family, you ready for this? Shirley Jones was offered the role of Carol Brady in The Brady Bunch. Wow, interesting. Shirley turns down that role because she didn't want to be the mother 
doing stuff in the house, but not much else. She wanted to work on television, though, because now her kids are grown up. They're in school. Mm-hmm. It's not as easy to travel with kids. So a television show is a perfect way for Shirley to still continue to be able to work. Sure. But also be home and around for kids. Yeah, it keeps you in L.A., but you have a more regular work schedule. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, Jack Cassidy is not supportive at all. Stunned. He thinks the Partridge family, the whole thing, is trivial and is going to end her career. But Shirley thought it was probably more that Jack doesn't want his wife to become a television star when, Mm -hmm. in fact, Jack Cassidy was not a television star. Mm -hmm. Once Shirley accepted the role, she knows that David Cassidy had also been cast But he didn't know that she was until David arrived to the first day of rehearsals. Jack, unsurprisingly, is also very, very unhappy about David being on the show because Jack is jealous of his son as well. So now my son and my wife are going to be big TV stars and I am not pout, pout Jack Cassidy. Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo-hoo. So, <laughs> working together on the Partridge family strengthens the relationship between Shirley Jones and David Cassidy, right? Sure, yeah. The show first airs September 25th, 1970, and although the critics don't think too much of the show, viewers yeah. love it. Yeah. David Cassidy becomes the breakout star of the show and an instant heartthrob. Teen Beat Magazine and everything. Once David Cassidy sings, I think I love you, his fate was sealed. Soon there are crowds of girls waiting outside the studio for him, and he's getting thousands of fan letters every Mm -hmm. week, and girls were even taking buses across the country to the Cassidy home. Oh, my God. At the height of David Cassidy's fame, he sold 20 million records. Wow. All right. David Cassidy's career on the rise. Mm-hmm. His father, Jack Cassidy, his uh-huh. career is spiraling downward just as fast as David's is upswinging. Right. And surprisingly, haha, <laughs> not, Jack can't handle David's success sure. at all. He's jealous. He's bitter. And Jack's behavior is becoming more erratic and just reckless. So one night at the height of the show's success. Shirley Jones is having cocktails with her friends at Cafe Escobar. They're chatting when Jack walks in with his arm around a beautiful young girl. Shocker. The two sit down at a table on the other side of the room, and Jack Cassidy does not take his eyes off the clearly younger woman long enough to notice that his wife was right there and watching this whole thing go down. Cafe Escobar had live music. And when her friend's husband realized how shocked and angry Shirley was, he suggested that Shirley get up on stage and sing a song just to see how Jack reacts. Hmm. So Shirley gets up on stage and decides to sing, It Had to Be You. Oh, God. (laughs) Jack Cassidy looked up but never lost his composure and kept chatting flirtatiously with the young girl he was with. Shirley then sings another song. This time it was Blue Moon. When she was done, Shirley Jones storms over to the table and says, 
Fancy meeting you here, Jack. Just one of those things, is it? Without batting an eyelid, Jack Cassidy calmly said, Surely this is fill in the blank, and introduced his wife to the young lady he was on a date with. Shirley left and went home. Jack came home later and acted like nothing had happened. Shirley never brought up the incident again. It's nice of her. This is a little bit of the story I like to call Jack. Can't decide if he wants space or a threesome. Maybe a threesome in space. I really do have to give a shout out again. I don't think I've done it so far. Melissa O. Uh And her sitcom mom research is incredible. Melissa, you are a trash candy goddess of the highest order. Yep. Space or threesome. Hmm. If only they had been in their prime during this private (laughs) rocket era that we're in now. All right. January 1972. Jack asks Shirley if she wants to go with him to get a pizza. (laughs) Without any explanation, Jack says, I think we need a separation, mouse. (laughs) Well, it's some pizza. (laughs) That's that's way to ruin pizza, Jack Cassidy. No kidding. Fighting back tears, Shirley Jones asks him why. And Jack reassures her that he doesn't really want a divorce, but he needed to have some time alone for a while. And Shirley protests, but eventually relents and leaves the restaurant visibly upset. A few days later, Jack moves into an apartment in Hidden Hills. A little while later, big surprise, Shirley finds out that Jack is living there with an actress. Her name is Yvonne Craig. Yvonne Craig starred as Batgirl in the Batman TV series. So he found another TV star. Correct. Yvonne Craig, if you remember, I mean, 1972, young, beautiful, voluptuous. She had been romantically linked with Elvis Presley, Mort Saul, and Robert Vaughn. The romance, however, between Jack and Yvonne does not last long because Yvonne Craig leaves Jack when, oh God, I'm so sorry, y'all. He accidentally runs over her dog and kills it. Oh God. Okay. Once Yvonne Craig leaves Jack, Jack wants to move back home with Shirley and the boys. Of course. What does Shirley do? I'm sure she says, sure, come on, Jack. Against her therapist's advice, Mm -hmm. Shirley reconciles with Jack and he moves back home. Come on back, Jack. What could go wrong? It is getting harder and harder to root for Shirley Jones at this point, but just wait, because it's going to get even more difficult. So with the Partridge family on hiatus... Shirley and Jack go on the road together, touring in The Marriage Band, which was a musical anatomy of marriage. Isn't it ironic? The show featured 16 singers and 16 dancers. It opens at the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas and plays in venues like the Coconut Grove as well. The Marriage Band is a big success. Shirley becomes friends with one of the dancers. One night after the show, Jack invites the dancer up to their suite for drinks. Once they have a few drinks, Jack starts kissing the dancer and then takes all of her clothes off. Jack then looks at Shirley and tells her to take her clothes off too. Did Shirley protest? Did Shirley refuse? (laughs) Did Shirley tell Jack to get the hell out? Nope. 
Shirley did as Jack requested. Wow. Everyone can guess here what happened next. Did Shirley want to have a threesome? No, she did not. But in her own words, she thought, this will please Jack. And who knows, maybe this is something I should try. Now, well into the swinging 70s, Jack's sexual interests and drive only increased. Jack wanted to participate in every aspect of this new sexual freedom that was being enjoyed by many folks. Shirley writes, he wanted it all. Swinging, pornography, drugs, group sex. I just carried on looking the other way and ignoring his infidelities. But soon, there was something that Shirley could not ignore, and that was Jack's mental health and his behavior, which is becoming more and more unstable by the day. Well, and I'm sure it's helped by drugs and, you know, all, all, the, other, all the other delights of that era. Shirley knows something's really, really wrong with Jack when Jack claims to have just had a long conversation with his mom, who had been dead for several years. Yeah, that's disturbing. A few months later, Jack looks at Shirley and says, I finally know now that I'm Jesus Christ. Wow. That's a little, it's a little delusional. That, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot to... This was followed by many other delusional episodes so finally, Jack Cassidy agrees to seek medical treatment, but it really does not help. The culmination of his psychosis happens in late 1973. Shirley comes home to find roaring fires in every single fireplace in the home. Okay, okay. So they're contained. I mean, they're... All right, the house is not burning down. Okay, sorry. I, I When you said roaring fires, I was like, oh my God. Not yet. <laughs> okay, okay. Because he piles... Them all up with all the wood and he's throwing stuff into the fire to make the fire bigger and the heat is intolerable and Shirley Jones says she was terrified. Yeah. And as soon as Jack saw that she was terrified, he takes his pants off and says, let's make love. Okay. <laughs> when Shirley does not comply, Jack laid down and masturbated while Shirley is too frightened and too stunned to do anything. And Jack just keeps looking at the fire saying, isn't it beautiful? Mm. Look how peaceful the flames are. This is the way we should all be. Okay. Yeah, that's... So Jack goes outside for more wood. No pun intended, like more firewood. Not... Right, right, okay. right. Yeah. But Shirley at this point will call an ambulance. Yeah. And Jack's taken to a private psychiatric hospital and he is diagnosed with what then was called manic depression and medicated with lithium. Jack Cassidy is so angry at Shirley for calling an ambulance on him that he refused to speak with her. Hmm. Which brings us to the tragic end of the Shirley Jones-Jack Cassidy story. In late 1974, Shirley realized... After all these years that yep. she could, in fact, no longer remain married to Jack Cassidy. Writing, the truth about the man I loved and about our marriage was penetrating my consciousness at last. So that I finally started to come to terms with the harsh reality that my life with Jack, my dream man, my white knight, my sexual Spengali, might well be ending forever. Hmm. Shirley Jones finally filed for divorce November 1974. 
In the six months between her filing and the divorce becoming final, Jack Cassidy continually begs Shirley to take him back. Shirley refuses because she knows Jack's mental state makes it super dangerous for not only herself but her children to be around him. Shirley at this point begins dating comedian Marty Ingalls, whom she would later marry. Shirley and Jack still do continue to communicate, and Shirley never stops loving him. Jack will continue to ask her to reconcile and declare his undying love over and over. And although Shirley wishes that it were different, she knows, like, yeah, not going to happen. I'm not, we're not getting reunited. Well, and they've been, I mean, this is decades they've been together now, right? Like, yeah, mid-50s. Yeah, like, she, there's a trajectory here. Like, she knows what she's dealing with. And, the, yeah, this is very sad. On December 11th, 1976, Jack calls Shirley and asks her to come over for a drink. And Shirley says, I'm sorry, I cannot. And Jack asks her, don't you understand, Mouse? We had what dreams were made of. And after a long silence, Shirley responded, I know that, Jack. I think about it all the time. At 4 a.m. the following morning on December 12th, Shirley's phone rang. It was her manager telling her that Jack's apartment had been destroyed by a raging fire. A body had been found, but it was burnt so badly that it could not be identified. The fire had even melted the person's jewelry. Later that day, it was confirmed through dental records that the burned body found in his apartment was in fact Jack Cassidy. The police tried to piece together the events that led to the fire and determined that Jack had gone out drinking after Shirley refused to come over, and then after a long night at his favorite restaurant, Jack returned home and fell asleep on the couch with his lit cigarette. The couch exploded into flames. Jack Cassidy was only 49 years old. Wow. It's a lot of living for 49. Wow. 400 people attended Jack Cassidy's funeral at the Chapel of the Pines in Westwood Memorial Park. Shirley Jones spoke at the funeral, ending with what Jack's last words were. Jack's last words to me were, Don't you understand, Mouse? We had what dreams are made of. In many ways, we did. Shirley Jones will marry comedian Marty Ingalls in November of 1977, and they remain married until his death in 2015. And although that marriage with Shirley and Marty was not nearly as eventful as her marriage <laughs> with Jack Cassidy, I feel like she'd earned a boring marriage at that point. Well, I mean, there was still a little bit of scandal, just not on the Jack Cassidy yeah. level of trash. Uh, that is the story of Shirley Jones and Jack Cassidy, and I don't even know how to yeah. do the trash cans. I feel like the trash cans are not hers. No, the trash cans, I believe, mostly belong to Jack, Jack. Cassidy in this mm -hmm. situation. Sweet Shirley Jones. A little Oof. sassy, a little spicy. Maybe some surprises in there. She really should have gotten that pony. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Trash cans filled with pizzas and ponies. Yeah, like there a you go. fire shooting out of... I, I don't know. That's, that's a really sad end. 
super sad end. Super sad end. But right. again, called trashy divorces. It's yeah. not happy marriages. Yeah. We really stick to the brand, you and I, Stacey. No, uh, Shirley Jones seems like uh, an amazingly like loyal person. So Really kind her. of a fun story. Again, big thanks to Melissa O yeah. for your amazing research on that one. And thank you for tuning in today. We are going to be back with y'all Wednesday for a bit of an adjacent story you're bringing to us, Stacey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you are looking for a little bit more trash candy between now and then, it is a great week to check out my side piece podcast project, Done and Done. If you're a trash panda, you like trashy divorces. I got a lot of trashy divorces over on Done and Done this week. First one about the three wives of Henry M. Flagler. It goes bad for all of them. Got a little episode on Greg Sherwood Dodge and Roxanne Pulitzer, too. Y'all may enjoy those. They're very on brand. Patreon folks, stay tuned. Our spider eggs this episode are going to take us to Jack Cassidy and Johnny Carson at the Copa. Hmm. That time that Shirley Jones stops George C. Scott from stabbing Jack Cassidy. Hmm. We got a little bit of Nancy Reagan and some Hugh Hefner too. All good stuff. Patreon folks, stay tuned for everyone again. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Spending your time with us today. We're going to be back on Wednesday. And until we meet again, my darlings. Keep your hands clean, friends. Uh, Keep those hearts trashy. Have a wonderful week, y'all. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. And definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy y'all. <laughs>